Well, if you'll turn in a copy of God's Word or in your bulletin to Acts chapter 28. Y'all, we're getting close to the end of Acts. Acts chapter 28. It's only taken us, I think, one or two months to get through Acts. It's been amazing. Uh, we started back in January of 2021. Uh, and so we're getting close to, to Acts. I hope you've enjoyed it. I know I sure have. This morning we look um, at Paul actually arriving in Rome. And so we pick up in Acts chapter 28, verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out and, because of the heat, fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting it at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Puteoli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself and with a soldier that guarded him. Um, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask for unction. We ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to help us to understand. Grow us spiritually, O Lord. We ask this not just for the hearer, but also for the preacher. Um, and these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever heard the phrase, you can't get there from here? Have you ever tried to go to Dothan? There's just not a good way to go to Dothan. Or in the middle of Mississippi, you look at a map. There's just no way to get to the middle of Mississippi. It, it, it takes forever. You have to go somewhere else before you can get there. You know, the fastest route between two points might be a straight line, but when you're driving in a car, you just can't do that. There's no way to drive in a straight, straight line between here in Dothan or here in Enterprise or here in the middle of Mississippi. But we can use this idea in different ways too, can't we? Like when you... Take a job. You would love to make six, seven, eight, nine figures, right, when you first take that job. But, but when you first take a job, you don't start making that money, do you? You have to go through a lot of other different things first before you finally peak later in your career, hopefully. Or with raising children, right? You don't go from newborn children to a grown child who loves the Lord and is completely independent of his parents, 
you, you have to go through other stuff first. There are a lot of detours along the way. You know, we have a lot of straight line expectations about life, don't we? As we think through our lives, we're going to go here, 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 and here, and here, and those are our plans. And yet, it just doesn't work that way. It actually turns out we're not in charge. I'm not, I don't know if you're aware of that. Sometimes we need reminders, and a lot of times those detours remind us who likes detours. After all, they only require more gas, more time, and more patience. We might call these detours trials. And Scripture tells us that God takes us through trials for lots of different reasons. We've talked about some of those as we've gone through the book of Acts together. Uh, The first and the foremost is He uses trials to make us more like Jesus. Romans tells us that. James tells us that. Really, all of the history of God's people, they tell us that. But other times, God takes us through trials to discipline us, to pare away, to tear away sin out of our lives. Sometimes we're in open sin and He has to take us through a trial to discipline us. Other times, there are things that just need to get taken away from us that we're not too serious about. So he'll do those things too. But this morning, I want to think about trials in a different context, a different perspective. And that's that sometimes God takes us through trials, not for our benefit, although there are benefits for us, but for the benefit of others. Not just for our good, but for the good of others around us. See, we see in our text that God had a people on an island called Malta, which was in the middle of the Mediterranean, who needed to hear the gospel and needed to be healed. But the thing is, the island of Malta isn't on the planned route from Caesarea, where Paul had been, to Rome, where Paul is going. You can't get there from here. So what did he do? God sent Paul on a detour. Oh, man, what a detour, right? God sends us through trials and detours not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of others. That's what He did for Paul. He sent Paul on a detour for the benefit of all those people on the island of Malta who got to hear Him preach and be healed by by God through Him for three whole months. Sometimes God takes us through trials to prepare us to help others. I actually have three Ps this morning. I actually got everything lined up with the same letter. It happens once a year. Sometimes God takes us through trials to prepare us to help others. Sometimes He takes us through trials to place us near others. And sometimes, and along the way, He often does, gives us times of personal blessings mixed in. All right, the first thing we see is that God uh, used here this trial to prepare Him, or used a trial in the past to prepare Paul for this moment. How had He done done that? Well, it's because God had taken Paul through a lot of hardship in the past. If you have a Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 and following. As, as you're turning there, you'll have to remember that this is towards the end of Paul's ministry, or the, the end of Paul's recorded ministry, we should say. There are three recorded uh, missionary journeys of Paul. There's likely to be a fourth, though we don't have it uh, explicitly recorded in Scripture. But Paul had been through a lot by this point. He had been matured by God in some serious ways and not always pleasant ways. Listen to what Paul had been through um, when he wrote 2 Corinthians years before this, actually. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 24 and following. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. So 40 was meant to kill you. So they would give you 39 and then let God decide if you would die or not. Isn't that so kind of them? Three times I was beaten with rods. 
Once I was stoned, they left him for dead then, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches." Paul had been through a lot. God had used a lot of things to prepare him to help others. God often takes us through things to prepare us that we might help others. During the Second World War, uh, the Battle of the Bulge, uh, Liotz was in the Battle of the Bulge. We suffered about, Americans suffered about 75,000 casualties in 45 days. It was some bloody fighting. Because of all of the losses, um, it was common for reinforcements to come up in the middle of the night. They would come in under the cover of dark, uh, the safest time for them. Now, these were fresh soldiers. Oftentimes, these fresh soldiers had never seen combat. They had gone through an abbreviated boot camp so that we could get uh, more of our ultimately 12 million soldiers, sailors, and airmen uh, to the front lines. But they'd never seen combat before, many of them. Do you know what one of the main keys to their survival was? It was for the more experienced soldiers to take them under their wings and help them through their first night. In fact, many, many reinforcements never made it past 24 hours. Now, how did those more experienced soldiers know how to help them? It's because they had been through it too. They had been through that first night. They had been through those first days of combat. They had been prepared to help others, and now they were helping them. Last, last week we saw that Paul gave advice to the 275 other sailors, soldiers, and passengers on the ship. He was doing it out of experience. We think by this point Paul had traveled about 3,000 miles by sea. He likely had had a lot more experience than many of the sailors themselves. God had used these things to prepare him to help others. There's no doubt that God uses trials to grow us spiritually, to give us something called steadfastness. We see that especially in James chapter 1. Then when we're told to count it all joy, brothers, when we face trials of various kinds, it's, it's talking about one of the things that trials produce there is steadfastness. Don't you want steadfastness? I think the opposite of steadfastness is being in a, in a boat in a storm without an anchor, right? And everything that comes along rocks your boat. I look forward to being more mature in ministry, that that doesn't happen to me every time I have to deal with something, right? Don't you look forward to that when you're dealing with your children or dealing at work and something else comes up and it doesn't ruin your life? Don't you want steadfast, a stick to itness, faithfulness upon Christ, where no matter what's going on, the ups and the downs, your eye is upon Jesus on the horizon? I yearn for that. But the thing is, God mostly gives us that through what? Osmosis, right? You put it on your pillow at night, you sleep, and it just seeps in. Mm -mm. Although a lot of times that's how we deal with our trials, isn't it? We try to coast through. God uses trials to make us more like Him, that He might prepare us. He might prepare us to help others. This is straight from the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction. Praise God He does that. God will comfort you in your affliction. What does it say next? So that, so that we may be able to comfort those 
who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Did you hear that? God's comfort of you is not just for you. Praise God when it comes, but it's not just for you. It's so that you can comfort others as they face similar things in the future. In our text, Paul is able to guide, guard, console, lead those who have been shipwrecked because he had been shipwrecked three times and left adrift at sea one of those times. God had prepared him for this particular ministry, and he'd done it in a painful way. God's glory is more important than our pain. That's one of those hard truths. God's glory and his plan is more important than our pain. And God will use the pain to make us more like himself, to work together for all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Are there trials that you've been through in the past that have uniquely prepared you to be able to help others as they go through the same things now? Problems with children? Hardship in marriage? Difficulties at work? Students, algebra issues? I remember when I, I couldn't see straight because I thought, I thought algebra was going to be the end of my life, right? There was no life beyond seventh grade. Or being on the team for the first time. Or how about all those times that you have failed, sinned, fallen, been forgiven, restored, and reconciled? God might have taken you through some hard stuff so that you might be used, that He might prepare you to help others. As we think about the Battle of the Bulge, the reality is that a lot of the more experienced soldiers actually did not help the reinforcements. Many of them did, but there are some who would not. And do you know why? You know why they didn't learn their names? Why they didn't seek them out? Because they had seen it many times before. New reinforcements would come and go, and they would go on stretchers, as many wouldn't survive. They needed help. The question is, would they get it? Are there those around you who need your help? Has God prepared you to help them? Will you help them? So in Paul and the other 275 people, they all made it ashore by God's grace, by God's revision, by His protection. They make it to shore. They, they hop off the boat uh, that is uh, now um, uh, run aground and is breaking apart as the waves strike it from the stern. And they land on an island that they find is called Malta, which is a, a great word. It's from a Phoenician word which means refuge. Right? They have found refuge. There, there are native people there. The Greek actually says they're barbarians. Uh, which basically means they're uncultured non-Greeks, although Paul certainly is not held back by any kind of thought. They undoubtedly had seen what was happening from the shore, and they had come and showed unusual kindness to these castaways who were cold and wet. And so they kindled a large bonfire that they might warm up and dry out their clothes. Now, Paul, using the preparation of leadership that he's had over these many years, he, he doesn't just sit down and enjoy being warm He doesn't rest on his laurels and let other people serve him. He gets up and he goes and he grabs more wood for the bonfire. But as he picks up the bundle of sticks, what looked like a stick in the darkness was actually a viper. An incredibly poisonous snake. And this viper, the Greek actually indicates that it was with with hostile intent that the viper struck Paul. Can you imagine that? With hostile intent. And And it grabbed hold of his hand and it didn't let go. So there's Paul looking like a drowned rat, and he's got hanging from his hand this viper of I don't know how long. 
And, and the longer it holds on there, I imagine it's gnawing on him, and the venom is going more and more into his bloodstream, and the natives are like, oh, this guy's dead meat. In fact, he's escaped from probably being a murderer. He's a murderer. He's escaped, but justice has now intervened, and he's going to die. They think it's the Greek god Nemesis. That's what they're talking about. The one who avenges uh, those who uh, escape justice. She has come, and she's going to take Paul out. And then he doesn't die. God protects him. Mark chapter 10, and the, and, uh, excuse me, John... Uh, well, I know it's in Mark chapter 16. <laughs> it's somewhere else, too. I think Luke 10. Uh, God has uh, protected Paul from the venom of the snake. And you know what they say then? Well, this guy's a god, right? Here's an aside that I couldn't get to start with a P. Um, a lot of times when we go through trials, there are going to be people who have all sorts of opinions about what we're going through. And most of the time, they're wrong. Think about this as they, they looked on, and this guy, I mean, Paul, this drowned rat, has, has been bitten by a viper. It's hanging on us, not letting go. They, at first they say he's a murderer, and then they say he's a god. I mean, how far apart can you get? Most of the time when, we, when God takes us through trials, we don't have any clear reason why something happens to us. Ours is not given to know the reason why 99% of the time. And so we have to be very careful, both in what we say to others about what they're going through. Well, this is because of X, Y, and Z. Well, maybe it is, maybe it's not. We also be careful not to listen to others when they say, well, this is because of X, Y, and Z. Don't you remember when Katrina happened? You remember why Katrina happened? It was judgment on New Orleans. If that's true, does that mean Ivan was judgment on Bruton? Right? Was it judgment on New Orleans? Maybe. I don't know. Deserved it, but so do I. You have to be careful. These folks were wrong on both accounts. They never were correct. Well, this leads us to our second point. The first point is that God takes us through things in order to prepare us that we might minister to others. The second is that God will often take us through trials, hardships, in order to place us where we need to be for His glory. Right. Let's back up and think about big picture what's going on here. God has His elect, those whom He has chosen and sent Jesus to die for, that they would be saved, rescued, forgiven, and adopted. Now, the way that people become Christians is through other Christians telling them about Jesus using the Word of God. God had His people on Malta who needed to be healed and needed to hear the gospel of Jesus. But how would they hear unless they were told, and how would someone tell them unless they were sent? That's what Romans 10 tells us. So on one hand, God had this man whom He had called to be an apostle to the Gentiles, a man named Paul. And on the other hand, you had His people who needed to hear the gospel. What would God do? Now, from a human perspective, there have been a lot more pleasant ways to get Paul to Malta, wouldn't there? Certified letter. Hey, Paul, go here. That'd been nice. A vision in the night. Paul, you need to go there. He's done that before. Or just teleportation. That would have been the easiest thing. What to do? What did God do? He sent him by a shipwreck, right? After being tossed in the sea for 14 days, nothing to eat or drink. And then he sent a viper, right, who has bitten him. Why? So that he might demonstrate to everyone around him that there was something special about Paul. And God used that to get Publius's attention, the chief man of the island. 
God often takes us through trials, detours, in order to place us in a specific place to meet certain people, to minister in a certain situation, and to prepare us for future ministry. And sometimes it's not fun how He does it. And so in the neighborhood of the beach, there were these fields and a state belonging to the chief man of the island named Malta. His name was Publius. And he invited Paul and his two companions, Luke and Aristarchus, and maybe one of the soldiers too, I don't know, to his home for three days. This was the typical length of hospitality and uh, to be entertained there and give them hospitality. Don't you know Paul felt good getting in some warm clothes and sleeping in a bed instead of the deck of a wet, storm-tossed ship? That felt good, I bet. But I just, I love this. But there just happened to be there. Just happened. And it happened that, is what the text says. For the sick father of Publius was bedridden and had fever and dysentery. The Greek's clear here. He'd had fever and dysentery for a long time, and it was continuing and had no stop in sight. That sounds terrible. It's probably something called uh, Maltese fever. They've diagnosed it now. Uh, Isn't that amazing how commentaries know everything? But it, it was actually pretty common. Uh, it, was, uh, it came from bacteria in milk. That it was common to goats on Malta, and it still happens. Now, antibiotics now will take care of it pretty quickly, but back then it was like, um, kind of like relapsing, remitting MS. You'd have six months on, six months off, and the six months on were really bad. And you'd be fine for about six months, and then it'd just keep going over and over until you died. And that's how Publius's father, that's what he had to look forward to. And so Paul, prepared by the calling of God as an apostle, now placed here uh, by his providence, goes to visit him, lays hands on him, and God heals him. Here is a man who had no hope or recovery. And then this visitor from a shipwreck just happened to be there, right? Just happened to be there. There's no coincidence here. This man needed healing, and God used a shipwreck to get Paul there to heal him. God used a detour to get Paul there. What kind of detours has God put in your life? Perhaps instead of focusing on how bad things are, we should start looking at around us and looking at the other people in the boat with us. Who are you placed around that might need your help? A word of encouragement, the need to hear the gospel of Jesus. This changes how we look at things, doesn't it? We can look around and see if we can help someone to get to know someone instead of being so focused on our pain and problems Because here's the thing, sometimes God uses painful situations to get us to the place to minister to others. You know, I've lived in many cities, uh, all in Alabama actually, and in every city, people have always wanted to live somewhere else. Have you ever noticed that? Tuscaloosa, where do they want to live? Birmingham. I moved to Birmingham, where do everybody want to live? Atlanta, right? Moved to Montgomery, where does everybody want to be? Birmingham. I've been there, everybody in Birmingham wants to be in Atlanta. Uh, you know, I wonder what would happen when folks would actually move there. Would they just want to keep going on? The question is, where has God placed you? God's control in ordaining all things that comes to pass is called His providence. And in, in God's providence, God used some really painful things to get Paul to Malta. Has God used painful things in your life to get you where you are? to a job, to a friendship, to a situation in life. Perhaps there are those around you who just happen to be there. Please see the air quotes, right? 
Word gets out. And someone has arrived on boat which, which sank, right? It's never a good sign. And he can heal people. And so people from all over the 122-square-mile island of Malta come. And for the next three months, Paul heals them. We know it's not Paul. It's, it's God. And the text here doesn't mention it, but it's clear from Paul's ministry that he's not just interested in healing people physically. He doesn't want to just heal them so that they can wait a little bit longer to go to hell. He would have told them the good news of Jesus Christ. There were people there who needed to know Jesus. We don't know how many people came to know Christ. There there doesn't seem to have been a community of believers when Paul arrived on Malta, but there sure was when he left. God had had His elect on Malta. And he used the power of miracles to show the power of the gospel to an unreached people group. Okay, so we've seen two things. First, that God uses trials to prepare us to minister to others. Second, that God often uses trials to place us around others so we might minister to them. The final, the final thing is there are personal blessings in the midst of and on the far side of hardship and of detours. One commentator, Derek Thomas, pointed out that God used a shipwreck to give Paul a three-month break from imprisonment. I never would have thought about this. Paul has been in prison for, three, for two years, two years in Caesarea, and he's about to go to Rome where he's going to be in prison for at least two more years. And yet in this middle time, he, he has three months. He can't go anywhere. He's on an island. He seems to have a lot of freedom. For three months, he's, he's doing just phenomenal, fun ministry, seeing people healed and comes to know to Christ. How refreshing that must have been to Paul as he then is about to head back into more imprisonment. But how did God get him to a place of personal blessing? Through a shipwreck. Sometimes in the middle of trials, we can't see past the trial. It's not always going to be like this. 37 funerals I've done in eight years, eight and a half years. And I've been able to stand with people and say, it will get better. Probably not as fast as you want it, but it will get better. On the far side of those detours, there are times of personal blessings. Paul made an impression upon the people of Malta, and then it was time for him to go. Probably in February of the next year, he had made such an impact. The text literally says they honored him with many honors, and they gave him everything he needed for the journey. And so they sailed north to the port city of Syracuse, on Sicily, then to Regium, and the Straits of Messina, then finally to one of the two port cities of Rome. I meant to look up how to say this word. I must admit I don't know. Uh, Puteoli, we're going to go with that, Uh, which was about five days' walk to the capital of the empire, Rome. And along the way, he's given the blessing of seeing believers, believers he had never met before. Now, he'd never met them, but he's been praying for them because he wrote them a letter. It's called Romans, right? And he's overjoyed. To see these believers. In fact, the text says, what does it say? Paul thanked God and took courage. Now, we're told he does that halfway to Rome. He's only two days from Rome when they meet at these two places, two places here. Um, And he thanked God and he took courage. Why? And he's heading to prison. Wouldn't you desire, don't you want that kind of faith that you would? Take courage and thank God in the midst of trial. 
Because here's the thing, when we go through trials, we're not alone. Who's here with them? Other believers in Christ. That's part of belonging to the church. So we don't do this thing alone. See, the church is where we have others who minister to us. God has placed you here. God has placed you here in this church for His glory, for your good, and for the good of others. So how do we land this plane? There are going to be detours in our lives. 